Heavenly Father, God, this morning as we, as we open your word, as we think of a story, may you tailor the application for our hearts. Each person here, make it one-on-one so that each of us can grow, so we can be challenged, so that we can be closer to you, God. So bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen. It seems that in my house recently, there's a problem. I don't know if it's my problem, or I don't know if it's my wife's problem. She's really nervous now because she has no idea what I'm going to say. I don't know if it's the shape of our house or the way we live, but it seems that oftentimes she'll be in one part of the house and I'll be in one part of the house. Sometimes I might be washing dishes. That's very rare, but it happens once in a while. Uh, Maybe I'm uh, moving trash, you know, taking the trash out and rustling the bag, or maybe I'm clattering a ladder to another spot to do some painting. But she'll say something to me from one part of the house to the other part of the house, and my response is oftentimes exactly the same. And I say, what? What'd you say, babe? She'll say it again, and then I come back with, the same response one more time. W- what did you say? And at this point, things could get very nasty because I could say, hey, why don't you turn the volume up a little bit from a two to a seven or eight? I want to hear what you're saying. And she might say, what are you getting old there, old Matty Matt? Maybe it's time to get some hearing aids. And praise the Lord, it never gets to that point, but it could very easily. Ah, oh, it's so frustrating. And what happens is the solution to this problem is fairly simple. I have to quit what I'm doing I need to get up and I go to another, the other room wherever she is and say, I couldn't hear what you said. I'm ready now. Would you please tell me what you said? Maybe that's happened to you. Or maybe this has happened to you. Maybe you're on the phone, maybe you're driving, you're talking to somebody, and they launch into a conversation that you knew was coming, but you don't want to have it. And so as you're talking, you pull one of these. Uh, I, I, think, I think I have bad salary service, and then you hang up on them. Do you do that? No, no one does it, I'm sure, yeah. Or maybe when they call and you know you don't want to talk to them, you just don't say, I can't hear you. You say, I choose not to hear you, and you just don't answer the phone. We've all done it before. In fact, all too often we find ourselves in the same situation, except it's with God where he wants to say something to you. He wants to speak into your life. He wants to speak to your heart, and yet our response to him is, I can't hear you. This morning, we have a passage, a story that that I've been dying to share with you. In fact, oftentimes as I'm reading the Bible, I'll pop onto a passage that I think, man, that'll preach right there. And so I'll, I'll, I'll open my phone and I'll go to the Reminders app and I go to a list on my Reminders app that's called Sermons. And so I jot down what the passage is and why I think it's important and what the application is. This is one of those stories. So if you've got your Bible, I encourage you to open it to Jeremiah chapter 13. If you didn't bring a Bible, you can... Yeah, you can use the Pew Bible, and you can follow along on page 545, and you can read the same words that I have in my Bible. If you're struggling to find that verse or find Jeremiah, you can go to Psalms. If you can find Psalms, you can find Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and Song of Solomon and Isaiah and Jeremiah. And while you're turning there, let me give you a little bit of context to what's happening. Jeremiah is a prophet of God. He's a good dude. He loves the Lord, and he loves his fellow man. 
And so he, he lives to help others. Now here's the problem, he's got a difficult job because his job is just to share doomsday. He, his job is to share what ha- is going to happen, that Babylon is gonna take them captive, that they're gonna lose all their freedom. And he has to say this over and over again. In fact, at one point, God tells him to go to Jerusalem and find one guy. If you can find one man that is willing to give their life to me, then we can change this, and he can't find that person. Jeremiah spends his life and his ministry crying. He's known as the weeping prophet, and in fact, he writes a whole book of the Bible that are his tears. It's his laments. He writes the book of Lamentations. Now, as, uh, as Jeremiah is living, he experiences some very weird situations, like the time he gets thrown into a cistern, an old well. He gets dropped to the bottom, and as he's down there, the, the mud is sucking on his legs and pulling him down, and as he's about to go under and die, this guy named Ebed Melech, he reaches out to Zedekiah, and he says, hey, let's pull him out. So they pull him out of this pit and save his life. And what a crazy story. The first 12 chapters of the book of Jeremiah are, are kind of chronology. It's like a timeline, starting at the very beginning of Jeremiah's life. Jeremiah 1.5, here's what it says. It's on the screen here for you, and it says these words. Before I formed you, God says, in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah has this calling to go and speak and preach to the people. Chapter 7 through 10, Jeremiah does a special sermon where he stands on the steps of the temple and he preaches. He says, hey, a doomsday is coming. Get right with God. Otherwise, this terrible thing is going to happen. And it's in chapter 13 that we get a response to his plea. Chapter 13, starting in verse 1, here's what my Bible says. Crazy story, I think. This is what the Lord said to me. Go and buy a linen belt and put it around your waist, but do not let it touch water. So I bought a belt as the Lord directed and put it around my waist. Go buy a belt. My version is the New International Version. You may have a different version that you're reading. That, that word belt is often translated in a different ways depending on what version you have. Like the King James. Anybody reading King James Version this morning? No King James people here. That's all right. Here's what it says in the King James Version. Uh, Thus saith the Lord unto me, go and get thee a linen girdle. When's the last time you used the word girdle? I don't know if I've ever used the word girdle. I don't actually really know what it is other than it's something that goes around your midsection and there's probably some, some laces that you tie and, and pull it in snug to you. Maybe that's a girdle. Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. Here's the New King James. It says this. New King James says, Thus the Lord said to me, Go and get yourself a linen sash. Oh, that's a nice word. When I think of a sash, I think of the universal picture of Jesus with a white robe and a red sash that goes across his midsection. Uh, here's what the English Standard Version says, the ESV. It says, thus says the Lord to me, go and buy a linen loincloth. Oh, now we're getting kind of kind of sketchy here. I don't know if this is appropriate anymore. Man, English Standard Version, sketchy. I'm just playing. What's interesting is that it doesn't matter which translation you use, they all have one thing in common. Whether it's a sash or a loincloth, a belt, a girdle, All of them are very, 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 very close to your skin. I mean, a loincloth is essentially saying underwear, isn't it? Whether that's uh, boxers, boxer briefs, BVDs, whitey tidies, Fruit of the Loom, Hanes, whatever you choose, 
That's what it's saying. It's very, very, very close to your skin. So Jeremiah, he follows God, and he buys a linen belt. Now, I don't know where he got the belt. I don't know if he went to Target or TJ Maxx, but he bought a belt. Now, I've got a belt that I kind of think looks like linen. Uh, I've had this belt for a long time. This is, a, this is my, my Burton snowboarding belt. You gotta have those things when, you're, when you sit on the snow all the day. Do you Floridians know what snowboarding is? My man in the back. So Jeremiah, he gets a belt. Now, I like this belt. I've had this for a while. Uh, it's on the last notch there. Haven't worn it in quite some time. A little high on the waist here. He gets himself a belt, and it's a special belt. Now, he's very specific in buying his belt, and I can understand this because when I was a kid, I was well acquainted with belts, if you know what I mean. I have the greatest parents in the world. I can't say anything negative about them. Uh, they've shown me who God is, um, and they disciplined well, I would say. Now, my parents, they would spank in different ways. My dad, who is the most grace-filled man that I've ever met, he would spank like this uh, as he would pull off his leather belt. You know that thick leather belt that all dads have? I have one too, yes. Um, and he would say, now Matt, this is going to hurt me more than you. <laughs> right. And then he would say, now do you want three hard ones, five medium ones, or eight soft ones? Pro tip, always take the three hard ones, because he's got to make them all sting, so why not just have three hard ones and get it done with versus eight ones that sting, right? Three hard ones. My mom would do it differently. She'd be on the couch, whatever, I'm roughhousing my sister, punching her, whatever, I don't know, and she would say, Matt, go to my closet and pick a belt. Now this could be good or bad, and you have to choose very, very wisely. My mom had a spread of belts, oh, different sizes, different shapes. She had wide ones. She had really skinny ones. She had leather ones. She had elastic ones that she would never let me choose those. She had ones that were shiny, ones that were studded. No, 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 not those either. I learned quickly not to use the skinny one because it's like a razor blade on you. Don't use the skinny ones. And, and picking this belt is one of the most important decisions of your life, and Jeremiah had to be very specific too. God says, go pick a linen belt. Linen's kind of an interesting fabric. It's thin, it's lightweight, breathable. Sometimes you can almost see through it. Uh, oftentimes it's white, representing purity perhaps. He says, go get yourself a linen belt. The priests, they would wear a linen belt. Theirs wasn't white representing purity. Theirs was four colors woven together from the same colors of the temple curtain. And they would wear it, again, representing the, the royal priesthood, this holiness about it. And so Jeremiah, he goes and he buys a belt and he puts it on and he wears it. And God tells him, don't let it touch water. Now I pause for a minute to think about this because well, why doesn't God want him to let it touch water? Is it, is it white and it's see-through if it gets wet? I don't think so. I think what he's really saying, and, and Kyle and Delich, they're uh, one of my favorite Bible commentaries, they suggest that getting it wet is representing washing it. God says, put this belt on, or we're calling it a belt. What if it was underwear? He says, Jeremiah, I want you to do something weird. I want you to go get white underwear. I want you to put it on, and I don't want you to wash it. It's kind of gross when you think about it. God says, this is an object lesson, and I want you to see what it's like 
I want to be this close to you as underwear is to your skin, like a belt is to your pants, and it pulls it close. So Jeremiah does just this. He gets his belt, and he puts it on. We keep reading. Here's what it says in verse 3. Then the word of the Lord came to me a second time. He says, take the belt you bought and are wearing around your waist and go now to Perath and hide it there in a crevice in the rocks. So I went and hid it at Perath as the Lord told me. Now this is really weird that God would ask him to do this. Uh, In the Bible, every time Perath is used, it refers to the Euphrates River. It's a long ways away. In fact, uh, Josh, throw the map up here. We got a map. Okay, you got, you got Israel and, and the area over there. Here's the first arrow that tells you where there's Jerusalem, so that's where um, is Jeremiah is. Let's go to the, the next one. Here's the Euphrates River, and I think that's about the closest point of the Euphrates River. A little town called Mari is there. And in between those two, it's 350 miles. 350 miles is a long way. That's like us getting into our cars after church service here, and we drive down 429, and then we go up the turnpike until we get to I-75, and we drive all the way up to Macon, Georgia. That's about 350 miles by car. This guy doesn't have a car. God says, I want you to go do this thing. And I pause for a second because I think, man, this is really weird that God is asking him to do this. It's obviously an object lesson. It's an illustration It's kind of weird, and I wonder, does God sometimes ask you to do weird things? Things that you don't understand. Does he allow things to happen to you that you just wonder, why are you allowing this God? When he asks you to do weird things, do you do them? Jeremiah does it. All throughout the Bible, God's prophets are called to do weird things, and they do it like the time that this prophet is called to lie down in the middle of the road. I mean, there's horse manure in there, and there's dust, and it's gross, and for 40 days, this guy lies in the middle of the road as an object lesson to share the message of what God's trying to tell his people. Or the time when God asks a prophet to go marry a prostitute, and marry her again, and marry her again, and marry her again, over and over. This time, God asks Jeremiah to buy a linen belt and to go take it to the Euphrates River. And so Jeremiah does just that. He gets his belt, and he he also was very prepared because uh, he had a Ziploc bag with him. That's not in the New International Version. Maybe it's in your version. He takes his belt because he doesn't want it to get wet, and he wraps it up. In fact, this morning when I was going over my sermon, Caffrey was awake, and we were talking, and he said, did they have Ziploc bags back in those times, Dad? Today they did. So he, he put it in that Ziploc bag and gets zipped it up tight and he's, and he's thinking ahead. See if I can zip it up here. And he, even brought, he even brought some duct tape with him, which is amazing that they didn't even have ducts back then. All right. All right. Get some duct tape. And he takes the tape and he puts it on that bag and then he heads out, 350 miles. Now that's a long ways. Uh, if we went to Macon today by foot, it wouldn't be today. In fact, in first service, somebody was saying that, that it, they calculated if you go 15 miles a day, which is a lot, that it would take like three months. Uh, so he travels and he goes and he's gonna find a place. Uh, let's see, let's go right here. Hi, you're visiting today, aren't you? Welcome, first time guest, sorry. Um, Let's just go right in here. And he finds a place, and he wants to make it secure. And so he just reaches here, and he he attaches it underneath the pew. There we go. There we go. This little spot. There we go. Okay. That's safe and secure. Excuse me. 
Happy Sabbath, glad you're here. So he heads back 350 miles more to back to Jerusalem. So now how many miles has he gone? Oh, you guys aren't too good at math today, are you? 700. I bet you're a teacher, aren't you? Math teacher. Very good. So he goes 700 miles, and uh, he, comes, he comes back. Uh, now, I wonder, how did he get there? It wasn't all in one day. And I wonder if he stopped at different people's houses on the way and, and said, hey, do you mind if I just stay here the night and we can just talk a little bit? And then he goes to the next house and the next house, and they're thinking, what are you doing? He said, well, I got to take this belt to the river because that's what God told me to do. And he travels on the way back too. So there's this conversation throughout the whole country as he's sharing what God's doing. Let's keep going in the story. Verse 6, here's what it says. Many days later, the Lord said to me, go now back to Paris and get the belt I told you to hide there. Are you kidding me? He's just gone 700 miles, probably by foot, and God says, hey, go ahead and do it again because this is an object lesson that you have to know. And so, so he's back on the journey. He's heading back. He's going back to Paris, going to the Euphrates. And he's looking for, a, he's stopping at people's houses and they're wondering what he's doing. He's like, I gotta go back now. And so he goes back to the same spot. Uh, which row is it? Yeah, visitor, you're here. So he, so he goes back and he reaches down and he gets it and he, he takes it. And so he's gotta go all the way back to Jerusalem. Oh, I'm getting my workout today. I wonder what my step count is today. Moving along, not 700 miles. Now it's 1,400 miles. He's gone to the river twice and he comes back. The story continues. It says this, verse 7. So I went to Pereth and dug up the belt and took it from the place where I'd hidden it. But now it was ruined and, com- and completely useless. He goes back, he gets the belt and, oh, Magic. <laughs> Disney's in the house today, folks. <laughs> oh. Caffrey, uh, this morning, or yesterday, he said, guys, you got to come to church tomorrow. My dad's doing a magic trick. <laughs> oh. Ruined. Shredded up. Useless. I mean, if this is underwear, I'm not wearing it. Some of you, it's time for Christmas to come because your underwear looks like this. Am I right? <laughs> Jeremiah must be in shock because he's like, what happened to this thing? I, I, I took precaution. I, I put it in a Ziploc bag. I used duct tape and it still looked like this. And God explains what he's trying to say in verse 8. And I think this speaks straight to your heart and mine as God speaks to us about listening to him. Here's what he says. Then the word of the Lord came to me. This is what the Lord says. In the same way as this belt... I will ruin the pride of Judah and the great pride of Jerusalem. These wicked people who refuse to listen to my words, who follow the stubbornness of their hearts and go after other gods to serve and worship them will be like this belt, completely useless. For as a belt is bound around the waist, so I bound all the people of Israel and the people of Judah to me, declares the Lord, to be my people, for my renown and praise and honor, but they have not listened. Man, God's speaking to his chosen people. It's the people that he has a promise with, a covenant with, 
an agreement with, a relationship with. These are the people that he's promised freedom to live in a place that they can worship him and only him without any distractions. And yet the chosen people have chosen to say, I can't hear you. And God, with his loving arm of protection, he longs to wrap around his people and pull them in close like underwear to your skin, like a belt around your waist. But his people are so busy listening to the blaring loudness of their other important priorities that when God speaks to them, all they can say is, what? I can't hear you. You know, as I, as I read this passage and as I listen for the Holy Spirit speaking to my life, applications come to my mind. So I'm going to throw a net out this morning. See if it fits you. See if the shoe fits. I wonder what God thinks, though, when he tries to speak to us and we aren't listening. What's the distraction in your life? For some of us, it might just be our jobs, <laughs> and our professions and our careers and in this life and in this community that's so important and that's what we think about. We think about getting the job done and making a buck and building wealth and whatever it is. But I wonder, does that sometimes distract us from hearing the word of God? Or even maybe you're in a spiritual role somewhere, uh, winning souls for the kingdom. I mean, pastors are in this too. Pastor Matt, I'm, I'm working for the Lord. Well, what if working for the Lord so hard makes you miss out on a real personal relationship with him? What if because of all our efforts to, put in, to help others connect to Jesus that we don't have time to connect with him for ourselves? Or what about this one, and I'm going to step on toes today and it's okay. Maybe it's our friends and our families. Are you more concerned with building relationships with those around you than building a relationship with the one that created relationships? Do we spend our time working on family time and miss our own personal time with Jesus? Or how about this one? I think this is 95% of us. Maybe it's Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, and any other social media that gets in the way. Are you more intense about updating your status than updating Jesus on what your status really is? Do we worry more about getting the coolest Instagram shot ever than ever spending time with Jesus in prayer? Or how about this one? This is for a lot of people. Uh, maybe it's worries and anxieties. Uh, do we stress more about the future of our own life and every little detail that we, we want to put in place as we move forward? And we worry more about this life than the life to come. Are we more concerned with how we look or how to keep our reputation clean? Or the simple things like, which kind of cookies should we make? Or what size tires should I put on my truck? Or what movies should we watch? Are we more concerned with those parts of our lives than living for the king? Or this one, and boy, I'll step on my toes hard on this one. Maybe it's our hobbies and our passions in life. Are we more excited about going to the garage and tinkering on something? Or, or just going out to the links to play some golf? Or reading your favorite Francine River book? Or buying a new dress? Or whatever it is. Are we more excited about that than sitting down and spending time with God? Or maybe it's our stuff. Are we more concerned with buying the new cell phone and getting the new car and getting the new house than we are spending time with, with Jesus? Or some more that came to mind this morning. In fact, some between first and second service. So you get different. What about just our attitude in life? Are we more concerned with uh, being critical and pointing out the flaws of others and it keeps us from hearing God's voice to our own life? Or what about politics? 
What's clogging your ears today? What's causing you not to be able to hear Jesus? What's making you deaf? You know, as I read this passage, it, it, it can come across as pretty raw, like God's an angry God. But I think this passage shouts to all humanity about who God really is. He's not an angry God that's a far away God that yells at his people. He's, he's not a distant king that screams at his subjects like an angry tyrant. He's not a far off dignitary that's demanding and, and wants to execute on you. Our God's as close to you as your underwear is to your skin. That's what he wants to be. He wants to have that relationship that's so close that communication is just natural. He's a faithful father and he's a loving friend and he's a close confidant and he's a lover of humanity and he just wants to tell you how much he loves you. You know, in my situation at home, the clear solution to hearing better is when I get up from where I am and when I walk to another room where Jen is and I say, hey, I couldn't hear you, but I'm ready now and I want to hear you. And in our situation with God, it's when we put down whatever the distraction is and we walk to Jesus and say, I couldn't hear you, but I want to hear you. Speak to me. May you hear his voice speaking clearly to you. May you hear it and may your life change because of it. I'm going to pray for you. Heavenly Father, this morning as we've thought about Jeremiah and we've been challenged by his belt, by his instructions and by this object lesson, God, may you challenge us too. May we see the distraction and get rid of it so that we can come to your throne and hear your voice speak to our hearts. God, we love you and we can't wait to see you. In Jesus' name.